on today's show, we are breaking down the Rangers' third base this season, a positional review, while also laughing at the Astros for doing something that no pitcher has ever done in the history of MLB postseason baseball. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked onto the Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan since 2010, the founder and host for all four seasons of this Locked On Rangers podcast. Today is Wednesday, November 2nd, and the Philadelphia Phillies are up 2-1 to one in the World Series over those Houston Astros. Thank y'all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers and subscribe on YouTube where the best way you can grow the show is to comment any single thing below. And also, uh, my respect to those of you on YouTube who are literally commenting any single thing below. Um, much, much respect. Thank you for your service. Anyway, before we get into the third base review, there is quite a bit to talk about there. I want to touch on the World Series game that happened last night where the Philadelphia Phillies absolutely trounced the Houston Astros 7 to nothing. Even though the Phillies only had seven hits, they only had two walks, they had five home runs. All of them came off of Lance McCullers Jr. And it kind of felt like at a certain point, this was, this was just the Astros punting on this game. It was just, it was, it was rough. It was really, really rough to watch. And it it wasn't a bunch of cheapies scraping over the field, uh, scraping over the wall. It was a lot of absolute blast. I really do think that Lance McCullers Jr. was tipping his pitches, which is um, a nice little a nice little karmic moment for the Astros uh, getting to you Darvish for allegedly tipping. I'm still not sure that you Darvish was actually tipping his pitches and it wasn't just part of their cheating scandal in 2017 when they lit up you uh, Darvish against the Dodgers in the World Series in 2017 uh, of the World Series that they allegedly won. But this was full of some absolute moonshots, including Bryce Harper's sixth home run of the postseason in his first at-bat. Had some amazingly epic walk-up music. Shout-out to Fox for just letting that play out, just letting him walk up with a runner on base. And, you know, if the thing that I love about postseason baseball is that every single pitch is important, every single moment, every situation where there's even a runner on first with no outs it's a stress situation I mean, it's not really a stress situation in the regular season but like every runner every at bat every pitch is just so magnified and that's especially true at the highest stage Bryce Harper hit an absolute massive mammoth moonshot over the right field fence and the Phillies also got home runs from Alec Bohm from Brandon Marsh from Kyle Schwarber and from Reese Hoskins, their absolute boppers, a team that said, you know what, defense doesn't matter at all. And we're going to go all in on mashers from top to bottom in our lineup. And you know what, it it is paid off so far for them. They are two wins away from winning the World Series. And even Ranger Suarez, their converted reliever, who had an amazing series. Um, by the way, if, if this is this is the most the Rangers could win a World Series if without them actually winning a World Series. They have a pitcher named Ranger. 
The Rangers are 4-0 against this Phillies team, so it would be pretty much a transitive World Series win for the Rangers if they do win. And a, a big moment for Suarez going the five innings, getting out of trouble with one out remaining in the fifth. And the Phillies didn't even have to use any of their big arms in the pen. Things are going really, really well for Philadelphia, who has not lost a single game at home in this postseason. I'll talk probably more about that maybe on Friday after the, the Phillies finish off this uh, this this five-game World Series and, and win it at home. I think that'd be hilarious and delightful. But anyway, we're here to talk about the Rangers' third base. The Rangers had... Seven different players play third base this season, none of them playing more than 51 games at third. That 51 was played by Ezekiel Duran. They also had Josh Smith play 36 games there, Brad Miller 27, and then a three-way tie with 25 apiece for Charlie Culberson, Andy Abanez, Josh Young, and two for Mark Mathias. So the Rangers, again, had their third base situation in flux. It has been pretty much in flux for the most part since Adrian Beltre left. They did have Isdrubal Cabrera there for half a season. And there was Isaiah Kainafalefa for a hot minute. Then the star duo of Brock Holt. Shout out to Brock Holt for retiring. A fantastic career. Um, somehow an all-star, great clubhouse guy, and just an overall good dude. Best of luck to him in retirement. And him and Charlie Culberson holding that spot down last year thinking that maybe we'll see a Josh Young appearance by the end of the year last year. We did not. We did not see that because of a foot injury that kept him out for most of that season. Then he thought, okay, this year, this year is really the year of Josh Young, and it, it wasn't quite. But Ezekiel Duran was the one who stepped up and played the most games at third base and, and did a pretty good job. He hadn't played a whole lot of third base defensively in his minor league career. Really before this year, he has played, let's see, uh, 75 games at third base in his career, 72 of those were starts, mostly at second base, 191 games there. Um, he also played 85 games at shortstop, so he was pretty much just a second baseman slash uh, third baseman. 180 games of those were um, in the minor leagues at second base, and then he only played 13 games in the minors of third base, and I'm pretty sure a couple of those we're, we're in AAA this year. So even before he got called up, he was mostly playing second base and shortstop. I talked to the Rough Riders skipper before the season. He was saying, yeah, Ezekiel Duran's going to be pretty much up the middle. He did play 10 games of center field this year. I'm pretty sure almost all of those came in AAA after he got sent back down to work on being an outfielder later in the season. But Josh Young finally did come up and make his major league debut homeward on his first pitch end of the year with five home runs in 26 games at the major league level, had a triple and four doubles, a 654 OPS Ezekiel Duran at the big league level finished with a 0.2 baseball reference war, five home runs for him as well. A slash line of 236, 277, 365. That's a seven or 643, OPS for those of you doing the math along at home. Did not have a great walk rate, but that's not really what he does. He showed off the prodigious power, the excellent exit velocities, and the really, really strong arm. He did a much better job at third base than I thought he would for someone with such little experience at the position. 
coming into him being pretty much the Rangers' everyday third baseman and and holding his own at such a young age. Coming up, we're going to get into some of the negatives for these Rangers' third baseman this year and eventually what it's going to look like next year and expectations for the position in 2023, as well as some maybe potential options if the Rangers want to go and do something crazy in free agency. But first, this episode is brought to you by Roan. You know, finding a good dress shirt is is such a pain. I got a, I got a wedding coming up this weekend, and finding a which one of my dress shirts I, I want to wear and which one's going to be the most comfortable is, is just always just it's such a mess. It's never the right size, you know, and it's it's usually not that comfortable. If you want to button the top button, wear a tie and look fancy, it's it's gonna pretty much choke you. And the dress shirt was really due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter shirt is the most comfortable, breathable, flexible shirt known to man. And here is why. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability, flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy what life throws at you your way from your commute to work to 18 holes of golf. It is time to feel confident with a wrinkle-free shirt without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the shirt, it's just that easy. The commuter shirt can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash locked on and use promo code locked on to save 20% off your entire order. That's 20% off your entire order when you head to rhone.com slash locked on and use code locked on. It's time to find your corner office comfort. Now, the bad part for the Rangers third base group is that they don't have a lot of experience, and that goes for Josh Young as well. He has played third base for most of his career since high school. He did have one season at Texas Tech where he played shortstop. He's gotten some fielding work in the outfield and at some other positions, but he's pretty much just played third base. And at the big league level, he played 25 games at third base and one game at DH. So again, he is pretty much just a third baseman. He is not anything exceptional defensively at third base. He's fine. The arm isn't great. The arm's really not great, and more so than I realize, it's in the 29th percentile of major leaguers, which is not really what you're wanting for a third baseman, but he can make the routine plays. He has gotten better defensively. He is a real uh, baseball gym rat, if you will, always working on the craft of baseball and getting better. Ezekiel Duran's arm is is significantly better, uh, the 84th percentile of arm strength. Now, outs above average-wise, Ezekiel Duran wasn't super great this year, 31st percentile, um, but he is he is pretty darn fast. And uh, yeah, it overall, defensively, not super strong showing for Josh Young. I do think that that one of these guys is going to end up in left. It's I think at this point it's going to be Ezekiel Duran, but I'm not entirely sure that it should be. And while we're talking about a lack of experience, Josh Young, through no fault of his own, just through a couple of freak injuries, been really upsetting and really poor timing for him personally. He hasn't played a whole lot in the minor leagues. He was drafted in 2019. Obviously, there was the COVID season where he did not have any minor league experience in his first full year as a minor leaguer, and he has missed time, significant time, both last year and this year. He's only played 153 minor league games and only 26 major league games. That's not a, not even 200 games of professional baseball. That is not ideal. And for Duran, he also doesn't have a whole lot of experience either. He does have five minor league seasons under his belt. He was drafted, I believe, out of high school or no, no, signed out of the Dominican. So he had a lot more years um, 
in the minor leagues than Josh Young did, but not a whole lot of reps at the highest stage. He only has uh, 78 games above single A ball, and that all came this year with the Rangers at double A and at triple A. He didn't have that many games at Frisco before he got called up. Only 45 games at Frisco before he was called up. That was his only experience above AA. And he did a pretty good job of holding his own. He is uh, 23 years old, just a little bit younger than Josh Young. Young is going to be 25 next year. Duran will be turning 24 in on May 22nd. So just a little bit younger there. A little bit more raw tools. But again, Josh Young has more experience at third base. I do think that Ezekiel Duran's ceiling is a little bit higher. I think he's got a little bit more range, obviously a bigger arm. And I think that Josh Young, if you did put him in the outfield, in left field, or if you've eventually moved on from Nathaniel Lowe playing the field and just moved him to a straight-up DH, which I think Lowe will, will definitely get better and could be I don't know, maybe passable. It just kind of depends on what you want to do with that situation. And if you did do that, if you did go ahead and move Nathaniel Lowe to DH, put Ezekiel Durant at third base, move Josh Young to first base, then you have a spot open in left field and you have to go get somebody to fill that position or feel confident with what you have on the roster. Which again, at this point, I went over it in yesterday's episode, not a whole lot of offense coming there, but... Again, if you've got elite offense at every position except for center field and left field, and you've got elite defense in left and center field, then maybe you could work with that. Maybe. But again, that would a lot depend on how Leody Tavares' bat plays next year, which at this point is is kind of a decent-sized question mark. So not a whole lot of experience from these guys, but I feel like they did a really, really good job for what had been asked of them. They stepped up to it. But there were some concerns about Josh Young and his strikeouts this year at the big league level and a lack of walks, which is very much not the case for him in his minor league career. He was always a very, very polished hitter who had a fantastic on-base percentage at Texas Tech, two different seasons of an on-base over 470. Even his freshman year had a 395 on-base and hit 300, hit 392 um, batting average in his sophomore season, which I think might have been... Uh, Personally, I think it might have been a little bit better of a season overall than what he did as a junior before he got drafted. But he's a guy who, in his minor league career, had a 381 on base, hit 311, slugged 538. He hit for a lot more power. That was one of the big questions about him as a hitter coming out of the draft. I don't know if this guy can hit for power. He's really just, you know, spraying the ball, being a polished hitter and hitting it to all fields. Well, I mean, he was like 19, 20, 21 when he was doing that. Obviously, he's going to add some more muscle, and he did and still has managed to be a pretty much all-fields hitter. Wasn't as much that at the big league level. A lot of his extra base hits went to left field, the pull side, including that first home run, which was just absolutely delicious that he did that in his first profession, first major league plate appearance. But I think we're going to see a little bit more of the all-fields balanced approach from Josh Young next year at the big league level. He did strike out 39 times in 102 uh, plate appearances, which is not what you want. Only four walks. It took him quite a bit to get his first walk. There are a few different times that I remember him being squeezed on a full count and getting a strikeout looking when it should have been ball four, but you don't get a whole lot of respect when you're a rookie. He might get a little bit more next year as a full rookie season, but still he is going to be eligible for some of those rookie of the year awards next year. Maybe the Rangers can get him to win it. And, uh, 
end up getting themselves another draft pick as compensation with that nice little rule addition that was added in there with this new CBA. And there aren't going to be a whole lot of super rookies like Julio Rodriguez and Adley Rutschman. He's going to have to compete with Gunnar Henderson of the Orioles, but I think that that's going to be a pretty even competition. And I'm really looking forward to seeing what Josh Young can do at whatever position he's at next year. Coming up, we're going to take a look at what to expect from this third base next year and some potential options if the Rangers want to do something absolutely nutty in free agency. But first, this word from our sponsors. So it's almost a certainty at this point, at least for next year, that one of these two guys in Duran or Josh Young is going to be manning that third base position. You could, you could maybe make an argument for Josh Smith, but I really don't think that his offense can stack up with these guys in the defensive upgrade from these two. I think there is a decent-sized defensive upgrade, but the overall value I think that these guys bring with their bats and how how big of a drop-off it is defensively is, is not that big compared to the offensive upgrade they would be over Josh H. Smith, who, again, I think is a very nice, valuable player who should provide a, a lot of nice moments for the Rangers moving forward. But it's pretty much going to be one of these guys, if I were leaning towards what I think the Rangers are going to do, I'm pretty sure it's going to be Josh Young. It has pretty much been Josh Young's job for a while, and I think getting Ezekiel Durant, sending him back down to the minors to work on his outfield defense. I think that was pretty much a clear sign that, all right, it, Ezekiel Durant is going to be in left field. Now, granted, would you rather have that big cannon of an arm and a little bit more of a range in at third base than you would in left field? Yeah, probably. But I think that Ezekiel Durant is probably going to get some time in right field unless the Rangers go and sign a left fielder like I talked about in yesterday's episode with the Joey Gallo or maybe a Brandon Nimmo or maybe a Jock Peterson. Durant's probably going to get some time in right field as well, as well where that big old arm is going to come in handy because, again, Adolis Garcia is not going to be playing every single day in the field. He's going to be DHing quite a bit, and I think the Rangers could really use Durant in right field with that big old cannon of an arm and then maybe put uh, whoever whoever else is there, maybe Bubba Thompson Day in left field defensively. But there are some options on the farm if the Rangers did want to go that way that might be pushing in the near future. I think they, they could get a little bit of a look from Thomas Sejaci. Maybe some Jonathan Ornelas might be pushing one of those guys. Dustin Harris is pretty much pretty much just an outfielder at this point. Maybe he's a first baseman, but I don't think that he is going to be challenging either of these guys for that third base gig. But Sejaci had a really, really excellent season, and so did Jonathan Ornelas. I think they could both be pushing for some time on that big league roster. As for as for some of the other guys, I don't think that Luis Angel Acuna is going to be playing uh, third base. I, I think there might be a chance that if the Rangers want to slot him in there, then that's where they end up putting him. Maybe the change that, that happens instead of bringing out some external guy, you put Josh Young at first base, you DH Nathaniel Lowe, you put Luis Angel Acuna at third base, and then you put Ezekiel Duran in left field, and that way you don't go and sign any big money free agents, and you still have pretty much all internal options, and then you can move those guys around when Dolores Garcia gets a DH day and have some flexibility there. But I don't think that's necessarily going to be the case. I, I think Luis Angel Acuna's primary value comes from playing a pretty solid shortstop position 
maybe he could end up moving Corey Seager to third base, which is the other thing that I think could happen at third base. It could end up being Corey Seager. I think that's where his long-term home will be by the end of this contract. I don't necessarily think it's going to be next year. Depending on how he does with this new rule change and the banning of the shift, it could be a quicker move off of shortstop than we initially thought. And if the Rangers want to go and spend some stupid money in free agency, there are some options to be had. It's another free agent class of shortstops like last year. It might be, I don't know if it's better, but there's definitely a whole lot of really great options at the top end. Uh, Xander Bogarts, who I believe is working on a new contract with the Boston Red Sox. I don't know if they're going to be able to secure him. I think he is the more likely to go. I know Rafael Devers at third base, who is going to be a free agent, I think either after next year or the year after that. He is working on a long-term contract option. Some of the reporting that I've seen seems like he is more likely to stay than Xander Bogarts. Bogarts is going to be 30 if he can opt out. Carlos Correa is going to be 28. I believe next season and he can opt out and then Trey Turner is going to be an unrestricted free agent. We saw him have some defensive difficulties at shortstop. I do think he is a bit of an upgrade defensively over Corey Seager, but I think long-term he might end up being a second baseman as opposed to Corey Seager, who I think eventually is going to end up at third base. But if they want to spend some stupid money, they could go throw a crap ton at Carlos Correa, depending on what the market is going to be for him. He did miss a little bit of time this year, but was excellent both defensively and offensively when he was healthy and on the field. If the Rangers had an infield of of Nathaniel Lowe, Marcus Simeon, Carlos Correa, and then Corey Seager, I mean, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness, I can't even imagine how ridiculously insane and obnoxious that offense would be. Same with if they wanted to get Dansby Swanson or Xander Bogarts or Trey Turner, any of those really big money guys. If they wanted to go with a medium money guy, I really do think that an Elvis Andrews reunion might be possible. I don't know what the market's going to be for him. He had a fantastic season, didn't play nearly enough in Oakland. They were trying to weasel the way, their way out of giving him that option where if he had a certain number of at-bats, then he was guaranteed for the next year of that contract. Then they ended up, once he was pretty much assured to not hit that mark, they went and traded him to Chicago so he could be on a winning team They ended up not making the playoffs, but Elvis Andrews was absolutely fantastic there. I think that could be an option depending on how the Rangers assess Corey Seager's defense will play without the shift next year. I think that's something they're really going to have to factor into their free agent discussions this year. But obviously, the the primary goal is going to be starting pitching, starting pitching, starting pitching. Once you get Martin Perez locked up, you need probably two more starting pitchers. Hopefully one of those would be a top-end guy like Carlos Rodon or somebody else of the elite caliber and then another middle-of-the-rotation guy so that you can have a starting rotation of, say, Rodon, Perez, John Gray, insert X starter there, and then Dane Dunning. But if the Rangers, who it seems like they are going to increase their payroll, if they are going to spend on a position, it, it's going to be either left field or... Or it's going to be, you know, third base slash shortstop, depending on uh, how they feel about Corey Seager's defense. Like that's that's pretty much gonna, what it's going to be. And I think the more likely of them of these pairings is uh, of these positions, I should say, is going to be left field. But the Rangers, like I said, have some good options for left field if they want to go with Ezekiel Duran or Josh Young, and they want to save their money and just throw some really really stupid contract. If they wanted to go get 
if they want it first off you sign you sign pairs and then if you want to spend like your entire budget which i don't know exactly how much money they'd be adding to next year's payroll uh, i think if you add let's say Perez is is 15 million you add a 25 million dollar a year rodan and then you add in um i don't know if you want to be really stupid and go to grom as well and that'd probably be 30 plus million a year maybe on a shorter term deal maybe you could do kind of like a max scherzer deal for Degrom, depending on how desperate the mets are to keep him or if they're not really willing to spend all that money on a guy who's been hurt so much then uh then the rangers could spend all of their money there and go with these internal options at left field and third base but i think expectations are you should pretty much pretty much bet that the Rangers are going to have one of Ezekiel Duran or Josh Young at third base every day next year. I think there's going to be a little bit of a competition, but I'm pretty sure both these guys are are going to be everyday starters next year. I think it's Josh Young's job to lose, and I think his offensive ceiling is a little bit higher than Duran's, but I think overall, if Duran hits his full ceiling and that ceiling is at third base, that might end up being high enough to push Josh Young, whose bat will play literally anywhere into a first base DH or left field role. Because again, that arm is redonkulous. And with some more reps at third base, I think he could be a really darn good defensive third baseman. And with how bad the rest of the Rangers infield is, well, two of the other three positions of the rest of the Rangers infield is defensively. I think the Rangers could use, if they have a good defensive second baseman and third baseman, I think you can make up for or live with whatever's happening defensively at first and shortstop. But offensively, next year, I'm I'm assuming that it's going to be Josh Young's job, but what I'm expecting from him next year, an OPS somewhere in the 750-ish range, cut back on those strikeouts. I really... I really don't think that he is going to have this insane of a strikeout rate next year. I don't think it's even going to be super duper high. The walk rate needs to come up. Obviously, I think that's going to happen. If the on-base can be somewhere in the 330 to 350 range, that'd be great. If he could end up with 15 to 20 bombs, that'd be awesome. I mean, the home run rate that he is on um, is is kind of insane. I mean, last year he had... Uh, what 19 home runs in 70 something games in the minor league 78 games yeah 19 home runs in 78 games at the minor league level then um this year he had nine home runs in 31 minor league games and five home runs in 26 major league games this year so the power is there but the overall offensive approach i think needs to improve for duran I think the same could be said he showed a little bit of power not quite as much as i thought he would be showing I mean, the average exit velos were were honestly ridiculous with how many lasers he was spraying all around the diamond. I mean, in the minor leagues this year, he had 78 games there, um, 355 plate appearances, 16 home runs, and 33 doubles. I think we could see quite a few more doubles next year from him. This year at the major league level, he had, uh, let's see, 10 doubles in his 58 games and five home runs and one triple. I think we could see more of those extra base hits. It might end up coming in like, I don't know, 25-ish home runs for him and 30-plus doubles. I think that would be a really great year for him. If either of these guys can hit 20 home runs next year, I think that'd be fantastic. Overall, I'm looking for about a 750-ish OPS from both of these guys next year. But 
you know, it just kind of depends on where the league is at. As long as they're above average offensively at their positions, I think they're going to provide quite a bit of value and help the Rangers hopefully achieve their goal of making the playoffs next year. But the future is bright for both of these guys. They're both established or young everyday big leaguers. They're good enough to hold down that position. And I don't think the Rangers are going to feel too desperate to move for any of these free agent options at either left field or third base because they've got some really nice young guns that could manage the position for quite a long time. That's going to do it for today's show. On tomorrow's show, I'm probably going to be talking about center field, doing a little bit of a positional recap on Leody Tavares, what the Rangers options are for that, and if I think Leody is going to hold down that center field job long term versus his competition for that job long-term in Evan Carter. But thank y'all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. For your second listen, check out the Locked On Sports Today podcast, the biggest stories of the day, plus instant reactions, big game recaps, and the take of the day, day available on the Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. That'll do it for today's show, and until next time, don't forget to enjoy baseball.